uh, as you know, we've been preaching through the book of Romans, right, Brandon? And, and, and Brandon, in fact, uh, we were getting ready to hit. We finished chapter 7. We made it through all of everything in there. Um, but we're getting ready to hit chapter 8, and I guarantee you, each and, and some of you, you know a grandma, you got an aunt, somebody has a verse out of chapter 8 crocheted on a pillow. I guarantee you. <laughs> There's a chapter 8 is, how many, in fact, have a favorite verse out of chapter 8 that you already know about? You know, uh, yeah, there's so many great verses, and it's a culmination of everything we've learned about justification by faith, being born in Adam, and getting married to Christ, and all these things. Well, that's what I was so excited to preach on. In fact, Brandon, the other day, Brandon is like, he says, oh, Romans chapter 8, that's my favorite, man. And he was texting me, man, I can't wait for you to start Romans chapter 8. And I didn't want to say anything, but God had been kind of nudging me towards Christmas. We're not a seasonal, we're not a, you know, we don't have the schedule out. We do Christmas because God told us to do Christmas. That's why we're doing Christmas. And and so Karen, where's Karen at? She downstairs. Uh, yeah, Karen texted me yesterday. is asking, hey, so how can I be praying for you today? Because she's one of the ones that prays for the message. Hey, by the way, if y'all want better messages, y'all pray. Seriously, I'm just the mouthpiece, man. You're like, man, that message was horrible. Then start praying for me, all right? That's all I'm saying. But Karen's like asking yesterday, well, hey, so, so you know, uh, how's it going? How can I pray for you? I said, well, I'm ready to start Romans 8, but God's nudging me towards Christmas, and there ain't much time to go, but we've been studying it in our, in our small groups. We've been looking at different stuff, and, and it is just the Word of God. So <laughs> as it kept going, Brandon, we're for the next four weeks, which will take us through Christmas, we're doing Christmas. And uh, we will start Romans chapter 8 at the beginning of it. And don't worry, I'll give you a reminder, and I'll tell you, I'll remind you of what, chapters 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, and 7, right there. Do you have any doubt, I will reiterate and help you remember what those chapters are about. Not a doubt, bro. So bring your pillow, all right? <laughs> yeah. So, so we will, and, and we'll be in Romans chapter 8. And, but now we get to do Christmas. And, and, and uh, really just from the, from the Gospels, today we'll be in a verse from Galatians. And uh, so when I sent the text over to Ashley and JJ for them to do the PowerPoint, I sent it to them and I didn't put it on Facebook because some of y'all look on Facebook and you kind of prepare yourself to know sort of how long we might be here during the day. And uh, Terry, I, I, right, right, Kentucky Terry, I'm glad to see you today, but yeah, he was like giving praise one time. Yeah, Pastor Eddie goes a long time, but it's no. And, and MJ, the greatest compliment ever. When we're done, your butt's going to be sore, but your heart will be full. <laughs> Man, I want a shirt with that on it. But anyways, I'm not trying to drag it out. But so I gave them the outline, and I didn't even give them that. I just, here it is, man, the fullness of time. God sent his son. That is the Christmas story. It's all about Jesus. This is what we're going to be looking at. But I did give them this verse out of Galatians 4. I then gave them, I think it was Luke 1. Then I gave them Matthew 1. And then I gave them Luke 2. And so we're going to, we are eventually going to be looking at Zechariah. Then we're going to be looking at Mary. Then we're going to be looking at Joseph and Mary. Then we're going to look at Joseph, Mary, and the shepherds. And we're going to do all this in the next four weeks. And I didn't actually kind of map it all out because all we're going to do is take a bite of this and we'll see how far we get and where the Holy Spirit wants us to stop today. But we're looking at the story of Christmas. And chances are, how many of y'all don't even think I'm going to get out of, out of Galatians 4 and 5 today? 
I'm talking verses, not chapters, all right? So, so again, <clears throat> that's when I started praying, when I've, I've been thinking about Christmas as it's all going on. Man, we were at the Stuart, any of y'all at the Stuart Christmas parade? Who was at the Stuart Christmas parade? Yeah, so it, it was kind of cool. We were right by the judges stand. I didn't know Matthew Zimbo. Where's Matthew at? Oh, he took off, man. Matthew Zimba, he, man, he has been, he says, to 62 of these parades. I don't know if they've been going that long, but he's been going since he was a little boy, and he is the expert, and we got to go with him. But we sat right across from the judges stand, and it was interesting how each float would give something for the announcer to read, for the head judge, the MC to read. And they would like, oh, yes, and Freddy's septic tank, they'll pump you clean, you know, and all these. And it's like, and he would just do ad lib on all these things. But there was the radio station, WCNO, I think. And it was a Christian radio station. And then there was Redeemer Lutheran Church that had it in there. And, buddy, in their explanation, they threw the gospel down. It, they threw it. It was beautiful. But you could just feel his tension. You could feel his apprehension. You could feel him kind of like, am I really allowed to say this in public that Jesus came to save us from our, you could just hear it in his voice. He was, Ooh, am I going to get cancel cultured because I say this because I do this? And it was just, it, it wasn't sad. It was just, it made me think that man, you know what? We work for as believers, the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, amen? Dude, if you had Jesus at your, on your side physically, man, would you have any problem? JT, would you have any problem introducing him to every single person you met? No, man, this is my home. This is Jesus. This is Jesus. Oh, and, and anybody comes to mess with you? Hey, this is Jesus. You know what I'm saying? Uh, it, it, you need something? Oh, watch this. Jesus, he'll hook me up. He's going to fix it. Yeah, we'd have no problem. But Jesus told us, and he told his disciples on the night before he was betrayed, he said, I'm going to send you another comforter, someone just like me, the paraclete that's going to walk alongside you, but he's going to live inside you. And he's going to do everything you need him to do. He's going he's to help you understand everything you need to understand. He's going to remind you of everything I've already taught you. He's going to do all. It's better that you have him living inside of you than you have me physically walking next to you. And, and, and so again, but you've got to walk in the spirit for that. And so we should have a holy boldness when we understand what our, what our position is. And I fear that we kind of just sort of get caught up in everything and nobody likes controversy. But man, if, if Bob was on fire, look at this hair he's got, man. Dude, this is sweet, bro. If his hair was on fire literally right now, how many of you would have no problem going and grabbing that water jug and dumping it on his head? How many of y'all would have no problem? You would have a problem. Okay, I'm just waiting. I'm just thinking, dude, man, don't get on fire next to that guy. I'm just saying, but you'd have no problem. But we got to be soul conscious. We really have to understand what the priorities in life are, what's really happening. This is not our home. We have an eternal home in heaven. We are taken care of as believers and so we've got to see life from God's perspective and help each other see it. And so that's the passion that I have to bring this Christmas, to, uh, of, of, of this whole Christmas story, everything about this Christmas story. And it so ties into what we've learned with Romans and everything else. But as I was praying, as I was praying, man, God just kept putting in my heart in the fullness of time, in the fullness of time. You know what we say? In the perfect time. 
How many of y'all, how many of y'all know God's always got it in the perfect timing, right? But how many of y'all disagree with his perfect timing sometimes? Yeah, it, it, in the, that's what the fullness of time means. In the perfect timing, we wait on the master that knows everything, can do anything, and that's everywhere. We wait on him. And when he does it, it is in the perfect time. And that's what Galatians chapter 4, verse 4 and 5 tell us about his coming. So in the fullness of time, God brought Christ in the perfect time. And I guess a personal application for you right now, if you're waiting on anything, man, if you're waiting on God, good news. How many of you are glad it didn't happen in your time? pray that way. <laughs> Dear God, help me be glad it's not happening in my time. Help me be glad my plan's not working out and that I have to wait on your plan because I know yours is going to be perfect. So in the fullness of time, that's what happened when he brought Christ. It says, God sent his son. The Christmas story, that's it. That's the Christmas story. It's all about Jesus. Hey, anybody going to the Fort Pierce parade today? All right, we're headed for it. Yeah, good. We're going to go eat at Wasabi, man. If y'all want to join, we're gonna, me and Linda are going to eat at Wasabi. Yeah, we're going to go eat some Thai food at Wasabi, and, and, and then, yeah, follow us. And then we're going to go, Linda will have our chairs already set up, man. She's just awesome that way. And, and we'll be all set up and ready to watch the Fort Pierce Christmas Parade in that. But when I pastored Southside Baptist Church at one time, uh, we were going to be in the parade. And I was like, all right, God, what's the theme? What should we do? And it, I know this is cheesy and corny, but the judges liked it for one year. The second year, it was okay. The third year, they're like, yeah, I get a new theme. But the first year, our theme was, it's all about Jesus. <laughs> Everybody in, my, in the church had a boat, pretty much. I, I had an Isuzu trooper with racks, and I had two yellow kayaks, and I had put my kids up top. Now we probably wouldn't be allowed to do that. But they were up top on there. Man, we had a little trailer for the kids, and then everybody decorated their boats, one like Gilligan's Island, one like... But our whole theme was, it's about Jesus. And that was it. Everybody's like, whoa, that's awesome. Then the second year, they're like, yeah, that's cool. Third year, like, that's stupid. Get another one. But it was like, we didn't just didn't do it anymore. But it's all about Jesus, man. That's really what Christmas is all about. So let's take a look at Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 and 5. How long can it take to get through those two chapters, Terry? <clears throat> let's see where we go. As long as the Holy Spirit wants us to, but we need to hear from God. Amen. All right, so look at this. But when the fullness of time had come, and I'm going to camp out there for a minute, but not right now. God sent forth his son. When it was the perfect timing, God sent forth his son. Born of a woman, born under the law. When the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son. Perish! Ah, it's good to see you. You're still saved, right? Two weeks ago, what happened, man? Woo, you gave your life to Christ. You got baptized in a victory at sea. Yeah, that was awesome. And, and for you, man, God, because before, and I'm not kind of, she brought it up public. I'm not like betraying God. But man, I'm just saying at the beginning, were you not telling us to pray for the perfect storm that had happened in your life that was just, ah, right? Is that a good way to describe it? 
Yeah, the perfect storm of every kind of tribulation and chaos in every aspect of your life. And then God had us preach on heaven. And then, man, you saw what your future is. You saw who Christ was and all of that. And you gave your life to him and wanted to get baptized. And without checking the ocean, I said, yeah, let's do it. And we went out and we did it. And God perfectly scooted you back in. But in the fullness of time, notice how when you got saved, it was the fullness of time. It was a time in your life where you realize, I got nothing. I have sin. Sin has given me a free trip to hell, and I don't want to go there. And, and, and I'm tired of managing my life. Did you get tired of managing your life, MJ? <coughs> yeah, and, and, and every once in a while, when you go back to managing your life, you're like, dude, I am not a good manager. Christ managed my life, right? And, that's, and, and so he brought us to that point. And we're just like, help, I, I'm lost, I'm done, I got nothing. And if you didn't come to him that way, you might not be saved. If you came to him with still offering, well, I got a little something here. I, got, I ain't got but 10, I got 10%, God. No, when you come to him and say, I am lost, I am done, I cannot do anything with this life you've given me, I'm done, I need you for it all. Man, you surrender everything you know about yourself to everything you know about him. He becomes your Savior. He becomes your Lord at that point. You give him your life, and he takes over. And what a great thing. Is, is there anybody here who would raise their hand and say, don't do it. Don't do it. I did it. I got suckered in right now. I got suckered in to give my life to Christ, and now I'm stuck. It's like a Gestapo. I can't get out, and it's the worst thing I ever did. Is that anybody say that, Hal? No, dude. It's like how many of y'all like me wished you'd have done it sooner? Yeah, man, way sooner, right, Sue? Oh, my goodness. Man, does God have a story on you, <laughs> you little surfing hellion gidget, gidget getter? No, I'm just, I'm just going by the stories you told me, man. Yes. Yeah, dude, exactly. When I tell people stories, I try not to glory in them or nothing, but, dude, they're like, God really saved you. Yes, he did. Amen. So, but when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law. Let's look at this, but when the fullness of time had come. So check this out. We're going to go way back. And, 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 and whenever we go back and we're talking about history, way back in perfection, we're going to aim towards the ocean because that's, that's pretty cool, right? So way back at the very beginning, there was God the Father, there was God the Son, there was God the Holy Spirit, right? And and that was all there was. There was no beginning for them. They always were. They were the Godhead. And do you think, hey, and do you think they ever had knocked down drag outs, disagreements? God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit. No, man, it was perfect unity that they had. Perfect unity. How many of y'all would, if you had perfect unity, you wouldn't do anything to mess that up? You were just like, oh, yeah, perfect unity right here. But what would cause you to challenge that is love. And out of love, God wanted to create us to worship him. But to worship uh, him, it has to be a choice. So in order for it to be a choice, he's got to give us choices. But God created man. And so from the very beginning, if you go back into John 14, 15, 16, all the way back in when Jesus was again on the night before he's betrayed, talking to his disciples, they're like, you know, they didn't even get that he's going to leave. But the next day they would. And they want, he wanted them to remember, dude, what do we got? Okay, we got this Holy Spirit. He's telling them all these things. He's saying, look, nobody that the Father has given me have I ever lost. I've got everybody that the Father has ever given me. And here's what he tells us he's going to do. So here it is. 
God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit back in eternity past decide they're going to make man. So they create Adam and Eve. They, they create them knowing they were going to mess up. As we even learned in Romans, they even, God the Father's plan was even to pin all the sin of the world on Adam so that when you're born, you were born of Adam and you were doomed from the beginning and there's nothing you can do about it. And as we learned in Romans, the point is, is that if he can pin all the sin on Adam, he can pin all the salvation on Christ. And when Christ dies to pay for your sins, he takes you with him and oh, the old Adam is dead. But going back to the plan, here's what happened. They're going to create Jesus from the beginning is supposed to be the redeemer. Jesus from the beginning is the one that's going to bring sinful man. Well, why do we want to create them? They're just going to sin so we can love them and redeem them. This is what he tells us in John 14, 15, 16, 17. Go back and look at all of that. And, and, and here's what the plan is. The plan is you as a human being are going to mess up. You're going to be a, a, a wretched mess. How many of you identify? How many are broken? How many of you mess up? Yeah, that's us. And so God gave Jesus a box of rejects, if you will. <laughs> he gave all of these people to Christ, all of the broken people to Christ that were going to get saved. And he, he gave them all. And when Christ got you as a broke, uh, I don't know, is anybody here like the tinker? Anybody like the tinker? Jimmy, you like the tinker? And, and man, you know, you just seem to me to be, you got that cabin up in Tennessee, all this stuff. You seem to me to be the kind of guy that might go to a, a, a flea market or somewhere and just buy a box of junk, right? Any box of junk buyers here, any other than him? You know, you buy a box of junk. What are you going to do with that box of junk? Isn't that what your wife always says? What are you going to do with that box of junk? Well, one day, might be eight years from now, but one day, I'm going to make it into something. And sure enough, it's fun to, and so that's kind, that was who we were. That's what scripture says, we were broken. God gave Jesus a box of broken people. And Jesus, through redemption, is going to fix those broken people. Now, he fixes them at salvation. All right. How many of y'all are saved? Okay. He fixes you at salvation. Now we're in the... Uh, so if you're saved, how many of y'all are, are perfect today? Have never... Didn't make any mistakes since salvation. No. We're in this process called sanctification right now, where he's giving us, us opportunities to please him and become more like him. And so... He's trying to fix us here, but in the end, one day we are going to be glorified. When you are glorified, you're going to be exactly like him. Now, God, Jesus is going to have a box of all his people. And you who are in that box are going to be, what's the P word, guys? Perfect. Okay, so get it? That's kind of the plan right here. Is God says, I'm going to give you, Jesus, all these people and whoever I give you, man, you're not going to, Jesus says, I didn't lose any of them. And you're broken. He saves you. He now sanctifies you, which is the process we're in. But one day he's going to glorify you. And there you are. You're going to be now perfect. And Jesus has a box of perfect people. Jimmy finally makes something out of that box of junk that he bought at the flea market, right? And it's like, whoa. And so destiny, when you're perfect and you're in that box, Brad, when you're perfect and you're in that box, Julie, when you're perfect and you're in that box, I saw you looking at Brad, so I wouldn't look at you, man. You're like, you know, but when you're perfect and you're in that box and God, Jesus wraps up that box, man, who's he going to give that box to of perfect people? To God almighty. 
he takes that box of perfect people and he brings them back and he gives them to God Almighty. And together, forever, in the history, there's God Almighty, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, and all of those that Jesus perfected. And we get to live together forever in heaven. Emily, are you looking forward to being perfect? Yeah, brand new body, glorified body, ain't got no aches and pains, no nothing. Yeah, perfect, in perfect unity and perfect harmony with him. So that's his plan for mankind. So what did he do after Adam and Eve? All right, so Adam and Eve messed up. They made the choice. He knew that was going to happen, right? And so Adam and Eve, what did they do for themselves, y'all? As soon as they, when they messed up, they hid in the garden. And at, uh, Eric, what did, what, did they, what did they make as custom swimwear to cover themselves up? Yeah, out, out of what, y'all? Scratchy fig leaves. Yeah, scratchy fig leaves. Because, dude, if it's scratchy, at least I'm, uh, it's penance. Oh, you know, I'm suffering a little bit for this. Because isn't that what we want to do? We suffer for our sins. We think God forgives them. He's forgiven them because of Christ's suffering. But put on the, they put on that scratchy little bikini made out of, out, of, out of scratchy fig leaves. And they're like, you know, finally when God does confront them, where are you? God knew where they were at. And they're like, well, who told you? Yeah, well, you know. And anyway, so after God dishes out the curse on all of them, on Satan, and, and then and he says to the woman, man, he, goes, he uh, said to the woman, he said, one day you're going to have offspring. And that offspring is going to crush the serpent's head. And it's going to bruise your heel. Who is he talking about? Jesus, right from the beginning. And then, oh, by the way, hey, guys, I don't want y'all wearing them little self-made forms of your bikini leaves that you made. He slaughtered an animal. And I believe, well, it was warm and the blood was, was fresh. He showed them what it was going to take to pay for their sins one day, and he covered them with that animal. Who's that a picture of, y'all? Christ. The Bible anywhere, it bleeds, y'all. He's there. It's been the plan since day one, since eternity for Christ to take over. In the fullness of time, God would take over. God would send Christ. Hey, when did Adam and Eve, when, when, when that Redeemer came, Adam and Eve were in the garden, right? So when do you think, Marley, when do you think they would want to get back in the garden? As soon as possible, yeah. So here it is. Hey, in childbirth, you're going you're gonna to have pain. Oh, no problem if this baby's going to get me back in the garden. So there it is. First baby Cain, right? I'm sorry. That was my bad. I just didn't have the cup holders and all that to act it out. Sorry, but I'm just saying. But, but she had the baby, man. She had the baby, went through pain, all this. Like, oh, now this baby. And, and you know what Cain means? You know what the name Cain means? I have acquired. It was all worth it, baby, because now we're getting back in the garden. All of a sudden, they're not, they're not where? They're not back in the garden. Huh. Well, all of a sudden, she gets pregnant again. Goes through all that pain, has another baby. What's she named that one? Yeah. In the original Hebrew, if your name's Abel, it means something different now. Okay, I'm just saying. But in the original Hebrew, when she named him, it, it just really meant kind of worthless. What in the world did I just go through this for? And they knew they weren't coming back in the garden. And what happened to civilization? Genesis chapter 5 says Adam and Eve produced children. They were men God's likeness. Now they produce children in their likeness with a sin nature. And civilization, did civilization get better, Ashley? No, in fact, it got so bad 
what did God do? He, got, he hired this dude named Noah. said, Noah, go build an ark. <laughs> right? What's an ark? Well, I'll give you the blueprints. What's it for? Oh, there's going to be water. What? There's no water. And how long did Noah build this boat, y'all? How long? 120 years, man. He's building it. And again, it was a, a, another picture of who? Because if you were to get on that ark, you would be saved. So it's a picture again of who? Jesus Christ. In the fullness of time, God would replace that boat with Jesus Christ. But so for 120 years, he's building it. He's preaching the gospel to them. God is going to destroy this earth because you are living against him. This is God's business. And you are messing his business up. Terry, in your business that you're at, you're a great salesman. But have you ever seen anybody come in trying to mess the business up? And what happens to them? Yeah, in the old, y'all, what was some show back in the day? Yeah, you're fired, right? You know, that's what happened. They're, they're fired. And, and God said, look, man, this is my business. This is the world, and you're messing it up. And he used Noah to preach it for 120 years. If he preached for, a, you'd think I'd preach long. Dude, 120 years, what's the P word you'd give for, for Noah? The P word that begins with P and ends with patience. What? <laughs> patience, right? 120 years of being made fun of. 120. Rain, what the heck? He's never coming back. He's never. What are you talking about? We're living as we are living. And Jesus even said that our day would be just like that, where people would just be marrying and burying and partying and just going on with their life, ignoring the message. How many of y'all believe Jesus is coming back? Do you really believe that? Yeah, if you believe that, man, you got to understand, you got to see the birth pains. He, there's no signs for the rapture. There's only signs for the second coming. And, and, and if you see signs for the second coming, what do you know has to happen before the second coming? The rapture. And, and the signs are things getting worse and worse and worse and worse, which the world is even saying. JJ, I love that. The astronaut, we're going to have to live in space because it's not even going to be inhabitable here. Yeah, no, you're right. Global warming, you ain't seen nothing yet. <laughs> Go read Peter. Again, we're not going to be there in that. But again, you see those. He said it's like birth pains. It's like birth pains. Man, my wife, my son Matthew, I'll just say this because he was our quickest one. I just had a new job at a big old church in Orlando and 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 we're there, and it was a Sunday morning. She goes, ooh, I think my water broke. <laughs> and I'm like, ooh, I think we better go <laughs> to the hospital. And how long, honey, how long did it take by the time we actually left? When, how long did the whole thing take for you to just pop Matt out? Huh? Yeah, 49 minutes, man. So let me ask you a question. Did I know when that baby was getting popped out? No. And so the water broke. Oh, I think my water broke. Oh, awesome. If you think the water broke, what should be your next move? Come on, man. Show us. A, Russ, what's the next move if the water broke? Get to the hospital. Like, wait a minute, honey. Let me finish some paperwork. Oh, hang on. I'm in the middle of reading a book. Or, hey, let me go build a shed right now. Oh, let me start a business right now. Let me... No. How many of you know that there's signs of the second coming around us right now? You see them. Dude, Philippines was blowing up with earthquakes yesterday. If you want, I got an earthquake app just for the heck of it. I got one. It's pretty cool to watch when God's firing all that up. 
Things are changing. Everybody knows it. If the water has broke, it's time to get to the hospital. Amen? So if you see signs of the second coming, you know the rapture's before there. We're getting sucked up. I believe before the tribulation, if you're mid-trib, then you just get to stay here a little longer, but you'll end up in the same place there anyway. But is if you see the signs, you know what our business is? Our business is getting people on the ark, getting people to Christ. If you have to go to a Florida State football game to do it, by golly, that's what we do, man. That's why I got season tickets to bring people to Jesus, man. <laughs> why not? That's it. Whatever you need to do. And by the way, congratulations. They want to talk smack about Florida State. Who else could win an ACC championship with a third string guy that threw six passes? <laughs> I'm just saying. But I digress. Getting back to this. You're like, you've been digressing all day, man. <laughs> but again, the point is, is that look what time it is, man. In the fullness of time. That's the next time period. We already have Christ. The fullest time, Christ's coming back. So in the fullness of time, in that. So we know God's plan for man. So after Adam and Eve, man, God, God, you know, they started creating. There was a flood. He had a flood, destroyed everything. And then after the flood, what happened? Do you remember Selma? After the flood? They started populating everything. We got, we got Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. We got Joshua, Judges, Ruth. We got, you know, so got all these things. I, I won't put you under a spot right now. I'll, I'll give you answers you can answer real easy. But, man, so after the flood, um, people, did they get better? No. But what God did do in Genesis, actually in Genesis 12, is he called Abraham. And he said, Abraham, I'm going to bring a Messiah through you. In fact, when did Abraham want to have that Messiah? Right away, right? But it was a long time. In fact, I'm going to bring a Messiah through you and your wife. And he waited till they were all but dead to actually even create that Messiah. So they could take no, or take, take the next, next one in the bloodline to create the next kid, uh, Isaac. And, and so God then has them have Isaac. Then Isaac, who did Isaac have, y'all? They have Esau and, uh, help me out. And, and Jacob, right? Right? Jacob. Boy, those are a couple of winner of kids, right? <laughs> How many of y'all would love to have an Esau and a Jacob? You're praying for that. God, give me Esau and Jacob. No, man. But that's part of the lineage, which we're studying on Monday night, actually, as we're <laughs> in Joshua for a little while. But anyway, so he's got those guys. Uh, and, and, then, and then you've got, hang on, hang on. That's, that, that, that's J- Jacob's sons. got 12 sons. How many moms, by the way, in Jacob's family? Yeah, four moms and by four, and a bunch of yeah, baby moms, so, you know, babies. <laughs> they got twelve kids, dude, and, and 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 the favorite one was from his favorite wife, and it was Joseph, right? They sold him into slavery, thinking got rid of him because he had dreams and all this other stuff. But he ends up as the one that gets them into Egypt. They get into Egypt through him, and there's a famine in the land. They didn't even know. That's where I'm at. My personal study. That I'm sending out to you guys right now. There's a famine in the land. And, and he brings all of them there. And then so God now, it's possible because Joseph's second in command, he now gets to bring all 72 or 69, whatever, somewhere in that realm. The commentators argue about it. But to take all of those people and bring them into Egypt. 
Now, Egypt is the most racist place in the world. Can you imagine if God brought you into the most racist place in the world? Can you imagine that being God's will? Well, guess what it was? Because now, instead of them intermingling with the Egyptians, Egyptians were like, you people are nasty. You people are... And he gave them Goshen. And they went from 60 to 70 people all the way up. When they left, finally, how long did it take? Uh, How long did it take? 400 years. And when they did leave, how many people did they have? Over a couple of million, right? This is God's plan. How many of y'all would be impatient with God's plan at this point right now? How many of y'all would be like, God, you need to move a little farther? God, but the scripture told us, but when in the fullness of time, the whole reason he picked Abraham was the whole purpose to start the Jewish nation was to bring a Messiah. That's why Israel has had problems the whole way up. And once they did bring the Messiah, now Satan hates them because he did. And they have opposition there. And God's not done with them yet. But so here we are. Man, they finally get out. Now they're in the wilderness, right? God writes Leviticus a year after they're into the wilderness. And he says, this is how I want you to worship me. You know, I want you to, this is what I want you to do and everything. These are my people. But, and, and they could have crossed, actually got into the promised land. It was really like about an 11 day journey. But how long did it take for them to get into the promised land, y'all? How many years? 40 years, 39 and a half, something like that, 40 years. Why? Because God said, here is a promise. Here is, is, is the land of milk and honey. Here is everything you would ever want. Just obey me. He made a covenant with Abraham that was totally dependent on him. I'm giving you this land. I'm going to make you a great nation. And through you, I'm going to bless those that bless you and curse those that curse you. And I am going to bless the whole world through you. That's the promise of the Messiah. And that has nothing to do with Abraham, only God. But then with Moses, he has a Mosaic covenant that says, man, Sue, you do what I ask you to do. I'm going to bless your socks off. See how blessed I am? I'm going to bless your socks off. Yeah, that's why I picked on you. Yeah. But if you don't, I'm going to treat you just like, I, just like those other folks. And that's the history of, Egypt, of, of Israel right there. So what happened? I want you to go over and take the promised land. I already got it. In fact, God sent them over. What was the purpose of even? It wasn't even God's plan to send them over. They were like, can we go look at the promised land? You know, Scott, can you imagine somebody say, oh, hey, there's a, a brand new truck for you right over there. Just go get it. And you're like, well, can I go take a look at it first? And, and you're there. Can I look at this? Can I, can I, you know, and you spend like 12 days looking at it. And the longer you look at it, the more reasons you have for not wanting it. And that's what happened. God just said, go get it. And they're like, can we look at it? Yeah. So they went over there. And, 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 and when they came back, 10 guys said what? Nope. Two guys said, yeah, Joshua and Caleb. Yeah, man, let's do it. And, and then they tested God. They were telling God, the 10 guys, you're just bringing them over there to kill our kids. <laughs> That's what they told God. You're bringing them over there to kill our kids. And so, and so at that point, guess what happens? God says, kill your kids? No, now I'm going to kill you guys for 39 and a half years. You guys are going to circle this wilderness, and you're going to die. And when you're done, guess who I'm bringing in? The ones you said I'm going to kill. I'm going to take... I'm taking your kids into the promised land. So after that 39 and a half year death march, now we get into Joshua. And they're excited. They're, they're getting ready to bust in. And they're getting ready to take the promised land. And, 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 and they do. But they don't take it all. And they have problems. They don't get all the cancer out. They leave some, you know. But it all builds up to David, King David. 
I skipped Saul and all of that, but King David, man, God made another covenant with David. What was the covenant? So the covenant he made with, with Abraham was, I'm, I'm going to make a great nation, and, I'm, and i got eternal plans for you guys. And it's not even based on you. It's based on me. Moses, you got to behave. I'll treat you the way you behave. And then with David, he said, David was a man after God's own heart. He said to David, what was his covenant with him? What did he say to him? Do you all know? Help me out. Through you, I'm going to create a kingdom that will never end. Your offspring will be the Messiah. And that was based on not David's behavior, because you can look at Scripture and see that, but it was based on, on, it was based on the promise that God made. And that's why you'll see Jesus through the Christmas story, son of David. You'll see David mentioned a lot in that whole Christmas story when we get there. So they're still not there. So here it is. We got David, and David, because he had blood on his hands, couldn't build the temple for God and everything. So who built the temple? Who was his kid? Solomon, the smartest, the wisest man to ever live when he exercised, when he applied the scripture to his life, when he did what God told him to do. And so Solomon now, oh, he had it all. People came to see his kingdom. But what was Solomon's problem? He, remember when he first got hired? When Solomon first got hired, God said, what do you want? And what did he answer, y'all? What's that W word, y'all hear? Wisdom. But here's actually what he said. He said, God, I'm a little kid with a big job. God, he said, he said I can't go out or come in without you telling me what to do. So in this, he goes, he, he, he basically says, God, uh, you know what? The only reason I have this position is because your dad gave, because of my dad. And God, I don't deserve it. I didn't earn it, whatever. So he comes in really humble. And he said, God, I got a huge job. I can't do this job without you. Now, could he have gone in and out of a door without God? Yes. But would he have done it as well as if he did go in and out with God? No. And that's how he started. MJ, he started by saying, God, I can't make a move without you telling me what to do first. You've been there before? Yeah. And then, if you, and then have you ever gotten cocky and be like, oh, I can do this move, and I can do this move? I was telling Keon about the bump, man. Y'all remember the bump? <laughs> I just, it was a fun thing to do with him in the store the other day. But, but I, I can't do this move without you. I, no, I can't. I'm a little kid with a big job. That's Solomon mentality. Whatever I'm doing, I need you to help me do it. So God, just give me the ability to do what you want me to do. That's what Solomon did, and that's how he became successful. How did he become a failure, y'all? Yeah, he quit doing that. Instead, he's like, oh, yeah, I am the wisest man. Oh, yeah, I am really smart. Oh, yeah, I am pretty successful. Oh, yeah, oh, I, you know what, God, I got this one. I got this one. And so instead of counting on God to protect his kingdom, you know what he did? He started marrying a bunch of women. And so he'd, he'd marry Sue because her dad was a king of certain nations. And if your dad's a king and he likes you, then guess what? We won't have any political problems with y'all. All right, I'll kill Bob off and then marry Anne, and, uh, and, and that way her dad's a king, and then we've got, you know, no problems with her. How many wives did Solomon end up with, y'all? Help me out. Yeah, about a thousand wives. How many of y'all get, it is only by the grace of God that you can handle the one you have. I'm just saying, because she's so special and she's so awesome. No, I didn't mean that bad. I'm like, yes. How, could, you, could you guys imagine having a thousand wives? Oh my goodness, and concubines and all of that. This was no pleasure cruise. This was not the love boat, y'all. This was just set up, man, for political reasons. But with each one of these foreign women, what else did they bring in that was foreign? A God. 
They brought in a foreign God. And what was the number one thing for Israel? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. Love that Israel has, there's one God. One God. Now there's a thousand. And God said, you know what? No more. I'm not going to destroy this kingdom because I promised your dad it would succeed. But after you, dude, it's over. He sent prophets. And the prophets spoke. And the prophets talked to him and said, guys, straighten up, straighten up, because God's a merciful God. How many of y'all know God's a merciful God? How many of y'all gotten lots of chances from God until finally he hits you in the head with a brick and you're like, okay, I got it. <laughs> Israel, man, finally he tells them, he says, okay, you guys are going in captivity for 70 years. Northern king, uh, after, after Solomon, the kingdom split. They had 10 kingdoms up north. They had two little kingdoms down south, which is Judah. And they had the temple, but people up there didn't want to worship in the temple, you know, and all that politics. They made their own religion, got their own thing. So God had Assyria conquer them, told the southern kingdom, you're going to be conquered too, and you're going to go in captivity for 70 years. But what do you think, if God throws you in jail for 70 years, what does he want to see happen on the outside of that 70 years? What is the purpose of jail? To reform you, right? If you get thrown in captivity. So after 70 years, Israel, if you're going to live successfully, live for me in that captivity. But once you get out, man, give it all to me. Reform. Come on, come to me. Learn your lesson. This is the chastisement. This is the punishment. Or the, the, this is the correction I'm giving you. But Israel, after Babylon, so they Assyria conquered the northern kingdom. Babylon conquered it all. And that's when Judah and all of them got conquered, right? And Nebuchadnezzar, all of that. And in fact, in the book of Daniel, how many of y'all read the book of Daniel? In the book of Daniel, you'll see where then Babylon comes in and takes the temple, beautiful Solomon's temple, take all the utensils, all of everything that was godly and took all of that and started using it for pagan sinful uses. And, 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 and they were destroyed sent all the wise people all over the place, left just servants there in Jerusalem, tore up the temple, tore it all up and everything. And, and then after the Babylonian, after the 70 years, Persia, Medo-Persia conquers Babylon. So now Persia comes in. How many of y'all seen VeggieTales, right? You know, in, in VeggieTales, you can learn this theology right here because King Ahasuerus, right? He's a Persian king. He basically is... He, he, he's a Persian king, and, and, and he allows Israel to go back. There's guys, Zerubbabel, these guys went back and rebuilt the temple, but they didn't have the resources to build it as good as Solomon. And, and Ezra went back. That's the book of Ezra. It's all, they went back to rebuild it. And Nehemiah, y'all remember Nehemiah? Y'all know that's one of the last books in the Bible in the Old Testament? This was their last chance. Nehemiah was cupbearer for the king, Ahasuerus, and, and tasted his food and, and had guys come from Jerusalem. And they're like, you know, uh, they're like, he's like, Where, how is everything in Jerusalem? And he said, man, it's in shambles. It, the, I thought you had a temple. We do have a temple. We have no wall. Hey, Terry, at your house, if you did not have any windows or doors, would, there, would your house be different than it is now? What would be different? Would you sit here for two hours in church? No, would you ever leave, ever leave? No, you have it booby trapped and stuff, right? Because with no windows and doors, there's no protection. And if you have no protection, that's what you spend all your effort and energy doing, and you can never have any progress. So they couldn't enjoy the temple worship they were supposed to enjoy. And so Nehemiah, God put in his heart, as a, even though he had another job, said, man, you're going to be the one who goes back and rebuilds the walls. 
So you can read the book of Nehemiah and you can see how they rebuilt the walls. Then the guy named Ezra comes. Go read Ezra. Because Ezra, after they rebuilt the walls, they're getting ready to have a celebration. What did Ezra find? What did Ezra find that Christianity needs to find? What? The Word of God. Yeah. Ezra found the Word of God and they're like, oh, look at this. Man doesn't live it. No, they had the Old Testament, but it was like, oh my goodness. Look at this, the law, the word of God. And, and all of a sudden he starts reading it. And, and, and Kentucky Terry, man, when he got up on the wall and started reading it to the people, how long did they read it for? Oh, dude, a long time. They read it from morning till sun because people were like, oh, God Almighty has spoken to us. This is God Almighty. And oh my goodness, they took it and it was like, where has this been our whole life? Now you want to know why they failed and got to that point and got into captivity? Because they didn't know the Word of God. From David on, whenever they split, all that, man, they, dude, they, gave, they blew off the Word of God. That's why I'm telling you the Word of God is the key. That's why Jesus said in one of his temptations, man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. You're discouraged. You need help. You need a mindset change. You need a different attitude. Get into the Word of God. I'm telling you, you open up the Word of God and God will change your heart. That is the key. It's living. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. It can get any crevice. You think you have one problem, let it get in another crevice and, and fix that problem and it fixes all of them. How many of y'all remember when there were TV commercials for something other than drugs and lawyers then forming class action lawsuits to sue people for drug side effects? How many of y'all remember when they used to have products, right? All right, how many of y'all remember this one? Calgon, take me away. You remember that one? It was like no matter what problems you had all day, man, fire up the bathtub, throw some of that Calgon. You know, I'm going to probably do some research and find out what that Calgon actually had in it. I don't know, but... Dude, you remember? Calgon, take me away. I, you know, they, the ladies do a back, like just a back, you know, flop into the bathtub. Can you imagine Keone doing one of those? I, I'm going to teach him, man. <laughs> it's good. That's my job. But ah, Calgon, take me away. That's the word of God, y'all. Open up the word of God. Go take a Bible bath. Put on some sin screen. Whatever you want to call it seriously, the word of God's the key. That's what Ezra found. And they opened the word of God and they were blown away and they read it from morning till evening. And they were like, whoa, that is the word of God. What did God do with his word? What's the very first thing he ever did with his word? He spoke what into existence, y'all? The universe. Mary, did he use anything other than his word to speak the universe into existence? So if he could speak the universe into existence, imagine what he can do with your puny little problem. Through his word. Through his word. And faith in his word. And that's what he's made possible for us at Christmas. But Ezra, man, they got the word. They got going a little while, but guess what? They just still messed up. They didn't, they, they were just doing things in their own way. And so at the end of the, New, the Old Testament, Malachi, Malachi, for those of you who are Italian, you know, Malachi, the Italian prophet, you go read that, Malachi, and you will see the end, and God says, you know what, I'm done speaking. You got my word, you can live by my word, you can have the benefits of my word or the consequences of my word, but I'm done speaking. 
And he didn't tell him how long he was going to be done speaking. He wasn't going to speak to him again until who came? The Messiah came. How long did it take from the time God spoke last in, through Malachi to the time that he spoke to Zechariah? How many years was that, y'all? 400 years. What were you doing 400 years ago? Let me find somebody really old in here. What were you doing 400 years ago? I'm talking me. I'm looking at my mirror. What, four, what were you doing 400 years ago, Stephen? Think about that. I don't remember either, dude. <laughs> but you, God knew you and he loved you and knew you were going to get saved. I can show you that out of Ephesians. But think about that. God's time is not our timing. So for 400 years, they had the word of God, but they didn't have any new revelation from God. They didn't have God helping them understand it. And you wonder why in 400 years, the Pharisees had messed it all up. By the time Jesus came, there were four people groups in that area. There were the Sadducees, and they were rich. They were the rich dudes. They ran the church. They ran the businesses in the temple or, and, and, and set all the rules. And they didn't believe in eternal life. They didn't believe that there was anything after this life. So their theology consisted of, well, I'm rich and you're poor. God loves me and God hates you. Literally, that was their religion. And, and that's how you read it. And, and, and the Pharisees now, they were your middle class businessmen. There were tons of them. But they wanted to be Jewish. They believed in the law that the law said we have the, the, the Mosaic covenant. If we do things God's way, he will bless us. If we don't do it God's way, he's going to curse us. And that's what's happening. And so they were adamant on trying to do God's law. But they had no revelation from God in that other than the law. And so that's why they took something as beautiful as the Sabbath that God gave you Israel as a unique gift. Dude, you don't have to go take care of your cows and your crops on, on Saturday. Well, who's going to take care of them? I will, if you'll trust me. No other nation had that gig. No other nation had that privilege. Israel had it, but they couldn't trust God. They just couldn't trust them. That and with tithing, those were the two things Malachi kept bringing up. Prove, prove me. You think this tithing thing's a joke? Prove to me. By the way, Rick, who owns everything? Yeah, everything of yours? Everything of yours. Does he own 10% or 90%? 100%, right. Yeah, 100%. And that's what they're like. Malachi's like, you robbed me. Like, well, when have we robbed God? He said, by your tithes and offerings. And their tithe was 30%. Their tithe was 10% for the, the temple, 10% for temple upkeep, and 10% for taking care of the poor people. That 30% and like, we can't afford that. We're not giving. We're not going to tithe, you know, and fine. They robbed God because it all belonged to God. Rick, if I had your wallet, can I have your wallet? You have a wallet on you? Look at this guy, man. <laughs> you know, I'm going, I'm going to the Fort Pierce parade today, baby. <laughs> all right. I got his wallet. Whose wallet is this, y'all? It, it, it's Rick's wallet, right? Okay, and yes, technically it is God's wallet here, right? So if Rick asks me for, I'm not even going to look in. I don't know. If he asks me for 10 bucks that's in his wallet, should I like, no way, dude. <laughs> this is my wallet now. No, well, I would be a sorry dog, right? He's asking me for something out of his wallet. Hey, can I, can I please have the company credit card out of my wallet? No, you got a company credit card? Hey, y'all all, all want to go to Wasabi? It's on me. No, no, 
Again, it's his wallet. He owns it all. What does he have the right to ask for from it, Joanne? Everything. He has the right to ask for anything out of this wallet because it belongs to him. Everything we, Brandon, what do you own? What do you have that's not God's? So what can God ask from you? Anything and everything. And you're a sorry dog if you don't give it to him. If I didn't give Rick back this wall, at first he'd beat my tail, but second of all, and he could probably catch me now because I'm, I'm a little gimp, but, but yeah, I'd be a sorry dog. It's his. And that's what he says to Israel, man. He said, prove it to me. Prove, go ahead, tithe. Thank you, sir. Prove it to me. Let me prove you that, I can, that, that I'll take care of you. He said, number one, he said, you bring all your goods into the storehouse of God. And what's the first thing he said? He said, see if I won't open up the what? The windows of heaven. See if I won't open up the windows of heaven. How many of y'all remember 0405 hurricanes when all we had was plywood? Anybody remember those? You, it, it, Bree? Oh, plywood, dude. Could you see anything out or in? No, you're hearing, you're hearing, you're hearing weird noise. Did you have a clue what it was? No, because the windows of your house were closed. It wasn't until next day that we took the plywood off and could sit now see what was going on. I got impact windows and doors. Thank you very much, Skyler. And if y'all need them, go there. And I'm not trying to lose our not-for-profit status, but he's awesome. Not just because he's my son-in-law, but they did awesome work. But you know what I'm going to do in this next hurricane, bro? On my back French door, I'm turning my lazy boy around, and I'm just going to watch it. Because the windows have been opened for me. Man, when you were hearing things outside, how much of it did you get right? You're like, oh, oh, that's an eight-foot pine tree blowing down. It's four foot in the ground now. You didn't know what was going on. Your imagination, and if your imagination is like mine, you, may, you, you can go kind of crazy, huh? Yeah. This time, I get to watch my screen porch get blown in one way, and then when the eye comes, blown the other way. I get to actually see it. So again, here's what he's saying. Tithe. Believe everything comes from me and you give. In the New Testament principles, you give what God puts on your heart. But you ask him, what do you want me to do with what I have given you? On a moment-by-moment basis. And he says, number one, he's going to open the windows of heaven. You know what it means to open the windows of heaven? It means you're going to see life from whose perspective? Exactly, Marley. Man, you're... You're just beginning, you're just starting this whole relationship. How long y'all been together now? <clears throat> Marley, that's an important thing for you to answer when I ask you that. <clears throat> I'll give you another shot. Marley, how long y'all been together now? Woo! Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm just saying it's a little more difficult than what you thought, isn't it? But it's worth it. It's good. I'm just saying. If there's anybody you got to hear from, you got to hear from God. And I'm just saying, women don't get easier as it gets long, goes longer. I don't. Why you look at me with that? I'm just. No, our lives get more complicated. Life is dynamic. Life is always changing, is it not? How many of you know you've got to see from the window? Have the windows of heaven open? You need to see life from God's perspective in every aspect. You know, and, and you got to know everything belongs to So he said, man, see if I don't open up the windows of heaven. Next thing he says, and see if I don't pour out a blessing that you can't even handle. Meaning, they brought grain, but the blessing may come in other ways. May come in other things. 
It's going to do, a, so you may not get paid back the same way you paid in, but you're going to get what you need, right, Brandon? You're going to get, God's going to bless you in ways where you know you are blessed. And it's because you understand everything you have becomes from him. And then listen to this last part. He said, and see if I don't rebuke the devourer. <laughs> I love this one so bad because, you know, we take our cars and our trucks to over 300,000 miles and we know it's time to get rid of a vehicle when the surf racks have rusted through and now water pours in when it rains. All right, I'm just saying, but man, God has made our stuff last. That's what rebuking the devourer means. I'm telling you what, I tell you, God tells you to give 20 bucks to something, dude. If you know that's God, give it. Because if you don't give it and you try to hang on to 20 bucks, guess what's going to happen? Something's going to break. And how much do you think it's going to cost you? At least 20 bucks. And if you try to make a point, it'll be exactly 20 bucks. But that's what he said. Trust me with the Sabbath. Trust me with your tithe. And what did Israel say? What's, what's the word they said? Begins with in and ends with oh, what? Parish, what did, what did Israel say when God said, try me out? No. Say it like Israel said it. No. Say it like a dollar. That's it. No. So then God said, you know what? I'm done. You got my word. I, Mosaic covenant is still good. Abrahamic covenant is still good. The Davidic covenant is still good. But guess what? I ain't talking to y'all no more. <laughs> That's it. I'm not wasting my breath until I send the Messiah. And it took over 400 years for him to actually send that Messiah. They were in captivity with Assyria, with Babylon, with Medo-Persia, then Persia, then Alexander the Great took over. And currently when Christ came, they were fooled by the Roman Empire, which was a good thing and a bad thing. And God chose that Roman Empire because he says, in the fullness of time. So again, the Roman Empire was a lot like God was going to be, only not as nice. You do what we want, everything works out. You don't do what we want, then we take you out. They ruled with an iron fist. But what they did bring in the Roman Empire, why it was set up for the gospel. Anybody know what Pax Romana is? Pax Romana, any of you like homeschool Latin people, man, or whatever. It, it, it's the piece of Rome. So Rome actually now had a legal system. It was corrupt, but they had a legal system. They actually had a police system in the form of an army. They had a common language. In fact, most people at that point, since Greek, they spoke, they spoke Koine Greek. The whole world spoke Greek the way the whole world sort of speaks English right now. Why would that be important time to bring Christ? Because now you can communicate the gospel. God brought the world together under that time. They had, law, they had roads, roads that led to everywhere. And that's what Pax Romana is. So they've been waiting 400 years. God was waiting for Israel, or waiting for, man, Rome to get it all together. And now in the fullness of time, in the perfect time, God finally brings his Messiah. Man, you see all the trouble God went through? To bring them at that time? And again, I, I, I don't want to call it trouble, but in your own life, every event that goes on is a divine event. And I want you to realize what the King of Kings and Lord of Lords has done to set up every opportunity you have, every situation you have. But that's what he set up for, the, for, for Christ to come. A couple more things and we're done because we've learned this in Romans. I won't spend as much time on the next few things. <laughs> as I did on the fullness of time. But do you all understand the fullness of time? <laughs> all that God did from eternity past now, hopefully you got some. I'm, I'm, look at that. 
How many of y'all think God spent too, took too long for that? <laughs> no, you're like, you did in explaining it. But, <laughs> like, <laughs> but literally, that's, understand what God goes through. His plans, there's so many things. Nobody has an idea of what he's doing when he's planning. All I know is if something's not happening right now for in your life, either you're not ready for it or it's not ready for you. Because if it was all ready, God would take care of it. So when the fullness of time had come, but when the fullness of time come, God sent forth his what? His son, which is him. He had to come down to rescue us. That was his plan from the very beginning. He sent forth his son, and he, she was, he was born of a woman. Why? Why did he have to be born of a human? Because who was he going to redeem? Humans. Marley, we're going to go out on a limb here. If God wanted to redeem all of the barracudas, and he wanted you to redeem the barracudas, what would he have to make you? A barracuda. So you could, you could be their substitute. So you could speak barracuda to them. Have you ever tried talking to a barracuda, dude? Yeah, it's like they don't understand. So you would have to become a barracuda so you could communicate with a barracuda so you could replace the barracuda so you could go through everything a barracuda goes through so you could become their redeemer. That's why he had to become a human. Again, I've asked you before, Rick, if God wanted to redeem the cockroaches. And he came to you and said, Rick, I'm going to redeem the cockroaches, and I want you to be the redeemer. What would you have to become? Going from who you are now to a cockroach, is that a pretty big step? Yeah, pretty big step, all right. I know you're and all that, but that's a pretty big step, right? God going from God to a human is a bigger step than me and you going from a, cockroach, a human to a cockroach. And what if he just said, yeah, and the cockroaches, most of them, they're, they're not going to follow you. You still want to go be my redeemer? <laughs> and, 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 and you know what? are going to get really upset, and they're going to actually gang up, and they're going to kill you. You still want to be their redeemer? Would you still become a cockroach to redeem the cockroaches if only a narrow gate worth were to actually take advantage of it? No, because you don't love cockroaches, do you? God. Yeah, I want y'all to pray for Rick. He does not love cockroaches. Why well, would do it for the barracudas? But again, can you see my point? So for God to become human, to come redeem a narrow, a narrow path of us. What, what, what's that four-letter word with L and ending in of? What, is that? what was his motivation? It was love. You just don't love the cockroaches. Not the way Christ loves the church. I'm just saying. <laughs> But think about that. So he, God sent forth his son born of a woman. She had, he had to be born of a woman. And we'll get more into that as we go through the Christmas story. But he had to be born under the law. Because you guys remember what we learned in Romans. We were, when we came in this world, we came in as Adam's children. We came in married to the law. The law always told us you're wrong, and we always were wrong. The law offered nothing to help us do it right. And finally, when we gave our life to Christ, we died with Christ so we could get rid of that marriage and marry now Christ and have his eternal resurrection power, we learned in Romans chapter 7. So now we're married to Christ, and Christ says, no, this is the way you do it, but let me help you do it. This is what you do. Hey, this is what you don't do. Let me help you do it. And, and so he gives us the power, the desire, the ability to do the right thing, which the law couldn't do. So he had to be born under the law to, let's see here. Oh, nope, we're not going that far. I, got, I promise I only got one little, there we go. 
And this was the purpose. Oh, no, Chris, one more. Sorry. Born under the law to redeem those who were under the law. That's us, to redeem them. Hey, uh, how many of y'all remember S&H green stamps? Anybody remember those? Remember yellow stamps? Did y'all, I've seen how old, yellow stamps, yeah, because up north, yellow stamps, we got those at Winn-Dixie, and y'all probably didn't have Winn-Dixie's up there. But yellow, green stamps, S&H green stamps, can you even taste when I say it, can you taste the flavor of the glue on the back right now as I say that? Y'all remember that? So what would you, kids, listen, this is how stupid we were, all right? This is how technologically unadvanced we were at the point. We would buy groceries, there was yellow stamps, plaid stamps, green stamps, we would actually, my parents would go, my mom would go to certain stores so she could get her corning wear if she got enough of these stamps, right? And we would go buy stuff at Publix we didn't want to buy because she just needed another booklet of green stamps. And we would buy stuff, and based on how much you bought, you would get different color stamps. You know, well, Publix had green, Winn-Dixie had yellow, somebody else had plaid, Fairway or somebody. But we would lick them. Oh, man, that glue tasted so good as a kid, especially if your little sister didn't get to lick them and you did. That made it taste much better. And you'd lick them and put it. Mama let us put them in the book. If we put them in neat, you know, you put them in all mess up, you know, but put them in neat. And then we took the books. <laughs> oh, my goodness. We took those books. And as we're filling them, we used to have these catalogs. And the catalog would show you all, dude, you can get a blender if you have 8,000 green stamps. <laughs> you can get a can opener, <laughs> electric can opener. Y'all remember? Those there, there would be all these things we could buy, or not buy, we could redeem. And you would pick, and it was like a wish list. You'd look at the different things, and then you would finally take all your books of stamps, and you would go, anybody remember what the name of the store was? What was it called? A what kind of store? A redemption store. That was what it was called. At least the one in Orlando was back in the Podunk Orlando days for Disney. It was a redemption store. We would take our green stamp books and we would bring them to the redemption store. And I said, I want that electric can opener, man. I've been licking stamps for months to get that electric can opener. And, and, and you would place down all of your stamps and it would all of your stamps and then they would go in the back and they would bring you out your electric can opener. Whoo! <laughs> Nowadays, I'd go to Goodwill, but I'm just saying that's how it worked back in the day. It was a redemption store. I would, I would go through great pain to take those green stamps, and we would give them at the redemption store to redeem that electric can over to opener to be able to take it home. In a sense, that's what Christ did in redemption for us. As we learned in Romans 6, Christ came and he lived a sinless life. He lived a sinless life. That was actually Romans 3 also. Lived a sinless life so that when we gave our life to him, he could give us his perfect life. And if he gave us his perfect life, who took our old wretched life? The one that deserved whoopings. Who took that one, MJ? He gave us his perfect life, but who took our old life? He took it. And from 3 o'clock, 12 o'clock to 3 o'clock on the cross, when it was dark, he was paying for all the sins of the world. He's taken all the punishment that everyone deserved for all their sins, and he was paying for it. You ever take a whooping for somebody, MJ? You ever had anybody take a whooping for you? Yes, Christ. Man, he took one heck of a whooping for all of us. He paid not only for our sins with his perfect life, but he took all the punishment, 
all of the wrath of God that we deserved. You understand what we got saved from? When we got saved and we say we're saved, we are saved from God. Because when we sin, we deserve His wrath. But because of Christ taking that wrath and us giving our life to Christ through grace and faith, He now took all the wrath we deserve. Brandon, how much of God's wrath do you think you could handle? None. But you don't have to handle any because Christ handled it for you. If you never understood all that God just did right there, if you've never truly given your life to Him, if you've sinned, you've earned a free trip to hell, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God's eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So if you understand that you're a sinner and you deserve a free trip to hell, or you deserve that right now, and you're like, dude, this is for real. Holy Spirit's making this real in me right now. I don't care if you say you've been saved forever. Right now, maybe Holy Spirit's working in your life, and I'm not trying to get you confused, or I'm not trying to get results. I don't get paid by results. Man, but I care about your soul. If you're not sure, and you have a desire to surrender everything you know about yourself to everything you know about Christ, I want to encourage you to do it. You just do it. Are there any special words you got to say, parents? No, man, you just do it. You just surrender it. And he comes in and he takes over. I look at your face, man. What a beautiful countenance and smile that you have after Christ that you didn't have before. And that's what he wants to do for each of us. This is the beginning of the Christmas story. This is why it was necessary. It was his plan from the beginning so that we might receive adoption as sons. Who was the son he sent? Jesus. And if we receive adoption as sons, then who are we like? Jesus. <laughs> because of Jesus. That's what Christmas is about. Let's pray. Father, thank you for loving us. Father, um, this little verse was just even going to be a segue into Zechariah. Um, but Father, this is what you wanted me to say today. Father, I know that your word doesn't return void. I know that, Father, your Holy Spirit will take it and use something in everyone's hearts, whether they are saved or not. But for those of us that know we're saved, that we know we belong to you, Father, I pray that you would take your word and make this the most special Christmas we've ever had. We would understand this redemption. We'd understand your plan. We'd understand that we were in that box of misfit toys that was given to Christ, and that Christ through salvation and sanctification and then glorification is going to make us perfect, wrap us up, and give us back to God the Father. Father, right now, I can't even imagine what it'd be like being in that box when God the Father opens it up and sees all of us like you. Christ, I can't, can't even imagine what that's going to be like, but I know that that's going to be the case. But Father, I pray that we would be grateful, because when we're grateful, everything's great, and we would fall in love with you, and we do crazy things for those we're in love with. So Father, use this to speak to us, but if there's somebody that's never given their life to Christ for real, somebody's thinking they got something to add to it, Father, I pray that you would speak to them. Give them a desire they can't refuse to surrender everything they know about themselves, everything about you. And through your word, make this the best Christmas we've ever had. And I pray for these things in Jesus' name. Amen.